I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, who would have thought that Post Malone is the most attractive person? I find myself highly attracted to Post Malone. I would have never guessed that. He doesn't look like a cat. In fa- oh, hello! Uh, welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. I also read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're reading Zero Hour by Ray Bradbury. Why does my voice sound like human shit? It's because I spent the night shouting at my friend Knife Fight Mark. Uh, he's called Knife Fight Mark because I went to a Murder City Devils concert with him uh, years ago, and he actually got in a fight with someone where he pulled out a knife. Uh, why does my voice sound horrible when it doesn't really involve a knife? Uh, it's because we shouted at each other all night, went to various bars on uh, Mischief Night, October 30th. Uh, but I'm so dedicated to the show that by the time we got done going from bar to bar, doing whatever the hell we're doing, and shouting at each other and ruining my beautiful performance voice, uh, I came back here and I'm like, nope, I gotta finish my zero-hour recording for you people. And I hope you appreciate that, because I'd love to go to bed right now, but I'm not going to go to bed. Instead, I'm going to read to you about the author, Ray Douglas Bradbury. Oh, he was born August 22nd, 1920. He died June 5th, 2012. Uh, he's an American author and screenwriter, one of the most celebrated 20th century American writers, and he worked in a variety of modes, including fantasy, science fiction, horror, mystery, and uh, realistic fiction. Uh, Bradbury was mainly known for his novel, Nah, Fahrenheit 451, and his short story collections, The Martian Chronicles and The Illustrated Man. And most of his best work is known as uh, speculative fiction. He's also worked in other genres, such as coming-of-age novel, Dandelion Wine, which I've read. I've read all this stuff. I was a Bradbury boy in high school, so I've read all this crap. And Dandelion Wine is very good. Uh, the fictionalized memoir, Green Shadows, White Whale, 1992. He also wrote and Consulted on screenplays and television scripts, including Moby Dick, and it came from outer space. Many of his works were adapted into television and film productions, as well as comic books. Uh, New York Times called Bradbury, uh, quote, the writer most responsible for bringing modern science fiction into the literary mainstream. Uh, fun facts. Well, I got one fun fact. I may have said this from the last Bradbury story. There's only a handful of them that are in the public domain because he's a selfish, selfish little, little man. Uh, uh, I once read about someone who was an aspiring writer, and he was in, I think, high school. And he wrote a story about a boy whose mom got really sick and was feverish, and you read this whole story about how she's not doing well and whatever, and you find out by the end of it she's a werewolf, so she's transforming into a, a giant wolf woman, and that she attacks them and whatever. 
And uh, he wrote to Ray Bradbury and gave him the story. And Ray was nice enough to read a little boy's story and uh, give opinions on it and help make it even better. So that was really cute. But then Ray, being the weirdo that he was, uh, said, what do you plan on doing with yourself? Are you going to become a writer? And the little boy said, mm, I'm going to go to college. And Ray Bradbury said, don't go to college. I forbid you to go to college. If you do anything in your life, do not go to college. Just become a writer and don't be diluted by education, which is idealistic and weird. So the person who wrote this article said, I got kind of creeped out by it, and I stopped talking to Ray Bradbury because he wrote a lot of letters. And then when he got quiet, Ray Bradbury more... Uh, it's kind of like texting when you don't answer. Ray Bradbury started overcompensating. More letters. Hey, look, all I'm trying to say is, don't go to college. Just kept diving into that. And uh, the poor boy got... Uh, 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 you know, kind of disgusted and weirded out, creeped out by Ray Bradbury, and uh, just stopped talking to him altogether. But then be, uh, went on to become a mildly successful writer, because I read this article, and uh, Ray Bradbury just kind of forgot the kid. So they had their paths crossed, and uh, Ray Bradbury creeped, creeped this little poor man out. Oh, well, thank God. I don't have to tell you stories about my dryer that's dead, and I'm buying an actual normal dryer with a vent that goes out the window. I feel like I've failed. Well, with that, let's uh, dive into the story. Zero Hour by Ray Bradbury. Oh, it was to be so jolly, exclamation point. What a game! Such excitement they hadn't known in years. All the children capitulated this way and that across the green lawns, shouting at each other and holding hands, flying in circles, climbing trees, laughing, dot, 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 dot. That's an extra dot. You don't need that many. Overhead, the rockets flew and the beetle cars whispered by on the streets, but the, but the children, now they played on. Burp. Verb. Such fun. I was out with Night Fight Mark. I've had a couple beers. So, uh, and my voice is human shit. Oh, such fun. Uh, such tremulous joy. Such trumbling. Oh, yeah. And hearty screaming. Uh, Mink ran into the house all dirt and sweat. Uh, for her seven years, she was loud and strong and definite. Oh, her mother, Mrs. Morris, hardly saw her as she yanked out drawers and rattled pants and tools into a large sack. Heavens, Mink, what's going on? Oh, the most exciting game ever, gasped Mink, pink face. Stop and get your breath, she said to her, said the mother. No, no, I'm all right, gasped Mink. Okay, we'll take these things, Mom. Oh, but uh, don't dent them, said Mrs. Morris. Thank you, thank you, cried Mink, and boom! Exclamation point. She was gone like a rocket. Mrs. Morris surveyed the fleeting tot. Eh, what's, what's the name of the game? Invasion, said Mink. The door slammed. Well, in every yard in the street, children brought out knives and, and forks. Why would you give your kids knives? And, uh, and pokers and old stovepipes and can openers. Weird. It was an interesting fact that this fury and bustle occurred only among the younger children. The older ones 
those ten years or more disdained the affair and, and marched scornfully off on hikes or played a more dignified version of hide-and-seek on their own. Meanwhile, the parents came and went in chromium beetles. Repairmen came to repair the vacuum elevators in the house uh, uh, to fix fluttering television sets or hammer upon stubborn food delivery tubes. The adult civilization passed and repassed, and the busy youngsters, jealous of the fierce energy of the wild tots, tolerantly amused at their flourishings, longing to join in themselves. Ah, this is this and this, said Mink, instructed the others with their assorted spoons and, and wrenches. Do that and bring that over here. No, uh, here, ninny. <laughs> right, now get back while I fix this. Tongue and teeth, face wrinkled in thought. Like that, see? Yay, with four Y's at the end, shouted the kids. Twelve-year-old Joseph Connors ran up. "'Go away!' said Mink straight at him. "'I want to play,' said Joseph. "'Can't!' said Mink. "'Why not?' Ah, "'You just make fun of us.' "'Honest, I wouldn't.' Nah, "'No, we know you. "'Go away or we'll kick you.' "'Another twelve-year-old boy whirred by on little motor skates. "'Hey, Joe, come on. "'Let them, ooh, sissies, play.' "'Joseph showed reluctance and certain wistfulness.' I want to play, he said. Well, you're old, said Mink firmly. Well, not that old, said Joe sensibly. Now you only laugh and spoil the invasion. And the boy on the motor skates made a, a rude lip noise. What does that sound like? I don't know. What does that sound like? Come on, Joe. Them and their fairies. Nuts! Exclamation point. Well, Joseph walked off slowly. He kept looking back all down the block. Mink was already busy again. She made a kind of apparatus with her gathered equipment, and she had appointed another little girl with a pad and pencil to take down the notes in painful, slow scribbles. Their voice rose and fell in the warm sunlight. All around them, the city hummed. The streets were lined with good green and peaceful trees. Only the the wind made a a conflict across the city, across the country, across the continent. In a thousand other cities, there were trees and children's and avenues and and businessmen in their quiet offices tapping their voices or watching televisors. Eh, whatever. Rockets hovered like darning needles in the blue sky. There was the universal quiet conceit and easiness of men accustomed to peace. Quiet. Uh, Certain there would never be trouble again. Arm in arm, men all over earth were a unified front. Their perfect weapons held in equal trust by all nations. A situation of incredibly beautiful balance had been brought about. and, And there were no traitors among men, no unhappy ones, no disgruntled ones. Therefore, the world was based upon a stable ground. Sunlight illumined half the world. The trees drowsed in a tide of warm air. Uh, Mink's mother, from her upstart window, gazed down. The children. She looked upon them and shook her head. Well, uh, they'd eat well, sleep well, and be in school by Monday. Uh, Bless their vigorous little bodies. She listened. Mink talked earnestly to some near the rose bush, though there was uh, no one there. Uh, Those odd children and the little girl. What was her name? Anna? Uh, Anna took notes on a pad. First, Mink asked the rose bush a question, then called the answer to Anna. Triangle, said Mink. What's a try, said Anna, with uh, difficulty. Angle. Never mind, said Mink. How do you you spell it? asked Anna. 
T-R-I, spelled bank slowly, then snapped. Oh, spell it yourself. She went on with other words. Beam, she said. I haven't got a, a try, said Anna. Uh, angle down yet. Well, hurry, 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 cried Mink. Mink's mother leaned out the upstairs window. Uh, A-N-G-L-E, she spelled down to Anna. Oh, thanks, Miss Morris, said Anna. Certainly, said Mink's mother, and withdrew, laughing, burp, to dust the hall with an electro-duster magnet. I wish that he'd explain how these things work. What's an electro-duster magnet? A giant magnet that just gets dust? I want to know how that works, and how do you clean it? The voices wavered on the shimmery air. Beam, said Anna, fading. Uh, four, nine, seven, A, and B, and X, said Mink, far away, seriously. And a, and a fork, and a string, and a hex, hex, agony, hexagonal. At lunch, Mink gulped milk. At one toss, and was at the, was at the door, her mother slapped the table. Slap, you sit back down commanded Mrs. Morris. Hot soup in a minute. She poked a red button on the kitchen butler, and then ten seconds later, something uh, landed with a bump in the rubber receiver. Mrs. Morris opened it and took out a can with a pair of aluminum holders. Uh, unscaled it back with a flick and poured hot soup into a bowl. During all this, Mink <laughs> fidgeted. Hurry, Mom, this is a matter of life and death. Uh, Aw, M-dash, exclamation point. I was the same way at your age. Always life and death. I know. Mink banged away at the soup. Slow down, said Mom. Can't, said Mink. Drill's waiting for me. Who's Drill? What a peculiar name, said Mom. Now you don't know him, said Mink. A new boy in the neighborhood, asked Mom. Nah, he's new all right, said Mink. Uh, she started her second bowl. Uh, which one's Drill, asked Mom. Nah, he's round, said Mink evasively. Well, you'll make fun. Everyone pokes fun. Gee darn. Is Drill shy? Yes, uh, no, in a way. Gosh, Mom, I gotta run if we want to have this invasion. Who's invading what? Martians. Invading Earth. Well, not exactly Martians. They're, uh, I don't know, from up, she pointed with her spoon, and inside, said Mom, touching Mink's feverish brow. Well, Mink rebelled. Now you're laughing. You'll kill Drill and everybody. Well, I didn't mean to, said Mom. Drill's a, a, a Martian? No, he's, well, uh, maybe from Jupiter or, I don't know, Saturn or, uh, 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 Venus. Anyway, he's had a hard time. Well, I imagine, said Mrs. Morris, as he hit her mouth behind her head. Oh, they couldn't uh, uh, figure a way to attack the Earth. Well, we're impregnable, said Mom, in mock seriousness. That's the word Drill used, impregnant. Uh, that's the word, Mom. My, my, Drill's a brilliant little boy. Uh, Two-bit words. Well, they couldn't figure out a way to attack Mom, Drill says. Uh, he says, in order to make a good fight, you got to have a new way of surprising people. That's the way you win. And uh, he says also you've got to have help uh, uh, from, uh, from, from your, uh, from your um, enemy. A fifth column, said Mom. Yeah, that's what Drill said. And they couldn't figure out a way to surprise Earth or get help. Well, no wonder we're pretty darn strong, laughed Mom, cleaning up. Mink sat there, staring at the table. Uh, seeing what she was talking about, until one day, whispered Mink melodramatically, they thought 
of children. Well, said Mrs. Morris brightly, and they thought of how grown-ups are so busy they never look under rose bushes or, or, or lawns, exclamation point, only for snails and fungus. Well, then that says something about dim-dims, uh, dim-dims, uh, dimensions, dimensions, uh, four of them. And there's something about kids under nine and imagination. It's real funny to hear drill talk. Well, Mrs. Morris was tired. Well, it must uh, be funny. You're keeping drill waiting now. It's uh, probably getting late in the day. And if you want to have your invasion before your supper bath, well, you better jump. Do I have to take a bath? Growled Mink. You do. Why is it children hate water? No matter what age you live in, children hate water behind the ears. Well, Drill says I wanted to take baths, said Mink. Oh, he does, does he? Oh, he told all the kids that. No more baths, and we could stay up till 10 o'clock and go uh, to two uh, televisor shows on Saturday instead of one. Well, Mr. Drill better mind his P's and Q's. I'll call up his mother, and Mink went to the door. Oh, we're having trouble with guys like Pete Britz and uh, Dale Jarek. Oh, they're growing up. They make fun. They're worse than parents. They just won't believe in drill. Oh, they're so, oh, they're so, so snooty because they're growing up. Oh, you'd think they'd know better. Uh, they're just uh, only a, a, a couple of years ago. I hate them the worst. We'll kill them first. And your father and I last? Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, this is a short story, so we're kind of hitting the midway point. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff going on with the kids. Apparently Drill, which is the dumbest name I've ever heard in my entire life. Drill, it's got a lot of plans for these kids. Most likely a real alien. I've read this story before, so I'm playing dumb right now. Uh, and Drill, he uh, he wants the kids to attack the parents, clearly. It's part of the invasion. Going to use the children as the fifth column to get in there and attack those parents. What protects you against invasions and outside force into your home? Well, sturdy structures. But you don't want to live in a concrete house where it's all dark in there all the time. You use too much electricity or candles, so it sucks. What do you need when you want to have light coming to the home but still have a sturdy, fortress environment? Well, you need better glass in your home, better windows, better sliding glass doors, ones that lock and are sturdy. Uh, door Glass Incorporated, that's doorglass.com, D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S. Oh, they're dedicated to fabricating and professionally installing the highest quality glass products for the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with years of experience, make them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals, professionalism, uh, integrity, and when it comes to you protecting your home against alien human kids throwing themselves at the walls of your home fortress, oh, they're discreet. What do they do? Eh, commercial storefronts, which is great for when you have people attacking your stores. Uh, automatic entrances, which is good if you have a, a lot of automobiles going in and out of your home. And uh, you want to protect those against people throwing themselves at your fortress. Windows, which, of course, we just talked about. Patio doors, brought that up also. Mirrors, that's a weird twist. But, you know, maybe you're checking yourself out in front of a mirror and all of a sudden, like, a small alien kid throws themselves at it. And it can shatter it. And how are you going to see what you look like? Uh, shower doors, same thing. Showering, you want to protect yourself against kids, little alien kids throwing themselves at it. Installation, repair, and they design build. Their clients involve a pottery barn, 
Williams, Sonoma, Sherman Williams, we've all heard about that, Portillo's, which I'm not as familiar with, I imagine involves pigs, the Salt Cave, which is a store in Minneapolis that just specializes in Himalayan salt lamps, so that's weird, uh, the worst name you could have for any kind of store, and Applebee's. Well, with that, now that we understand how to fortify your home and still keep it beautiful and let the, let the light in from the outdoors, uh... Let's go back up to my master bedroom, which I've also installed beautiful brand new windows to keep it warm and insulated in that room. Because it was cold last time before I learned about doorglass.com. Uh, why don't we go up there and, uh, I don't know, have a little fuss and a little fuss and fight, a little tickle, you know, giggle a little bit, have a good time. Just get up there. Get up my room. <laughs> It's almost Halloween. What are you wearing? Oh, oh, ooh, you're dressed like Post Malone. I just said earlier uh, that I think he's just a handsome guy. Something about his sweet little face, his happy-go-lucky expression. Just a cute little man. Um, that's great. Uh, good for you. Highly attracted to a, a, a man with all sorts of weird tattoos on his face, which is fine. Uh, but instead, I want you to put on this butler outfit with little white gloves. It's okay. Keep the tattoos on your face. Uh, as I read to you, The Butler by Danielle Steele. Uh, its category is women's fiction and contemporary romance. It's paperback. Uh, it's coming out October 5th, 2021. Uh, New York Times bestseller. Two different worlds and two very different lives collide in Paris in this captivating novel by Daniel Steele. Joachim von Hartmann, ugh, ridiculous names, was born and raised in Buenos Aires by his loving German mother. Fine, whatever. Inseparable from his identical twin. All right, I'm not questioning anything anymore. Uh, when Joachim moves to Paris with his mother in his late teens, that's specific, his twins stay behind and enters a dark world. Meanwhile, Joachim begins training to be a butler. Yeah, train. Uh, fascinated by the precision and the intense demands. And goes to work on some of the grandest homes in England. His brother, eh, never reappears. Olivia White, burp, was given 10 years of her life to her magazine, which failed. Nah, well, taking all her dreams with it. A bequest from her mother allows her a year in Paris to reinvent herself. That sounds convenient. I wish I had that going on in my life. Uh, a parent that'll just say, go to France and reinvent yourself. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, just get high all the time. Oh, she needs help setting up a home in a charming Parisian apartment. It is then that her path and Joachim's cross. Joachim, I'm tired of saying that name, takes a job working for Olivia as a lark <laughs> and enjoys the whimsy of a different life for a few weeks, uh, which turns into months as the unlikely employer and employee learn they enjoy working side by side. Oh, at the same time, Joachim discovers the family history he never knew, a criminal grandfather who died in prison. Oh, the wealthy father who abandoned him, and the dangerous criminal his twin has become. While Olivia struggles to put her life back together, Ashokim's comes apart. 
Well, eh, fine. As stripped of their old roles, they strive to discover the truth about each other and themselves. First as employer and employee, then as friends. Their paths no longer sure. They are a man and a woman who reach a place where the past doesn't matter and, uh, and only what they are living now is true. So if that didn't seem ridiculous and rambling, go ahead and get The Butler, a novel by Danielle Steele. Uh, it's coming out in uh, paperback and hardcover for $28.99. October 5th, 2021. You can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Hudson Booksellers, Indie Bound, Powell's, uh, Books A Million, which I lost love for. I used to just love that name. So damn cute. Till I went to their website. And on the top of their website, giant letters, B-A-M, BAM, for Books A Million. And I said, dumb, and now I hate them. Uh... Target, bookshop.org, which Ben loves, and I think they're horseshit, and Walmart. Uh, Well, with that, I think you look adorable in that little uh, Post Malone butler outfit, but it's time to get back to the story. I'm not horny anymore. It never really was. I uh, walked into this flaccid. So why don't we get downstairs, but keep the tattoos on your face. I think it's adorable. Well, where'd we leave off? Oh, that's right. The little kid wants to kill people. And the parents go, your father and I last? Drill says you're dangerous. Know why? Because you don't believe in Martians. Oh, they're going to let us run the world. Not, uh, well, not just us, but the kids over the next block, too. I might be, I might be queen. She opened the door. Mom? Yes. What's lodge? Dot, dot, dot. Ick. Logic? Ah, why, dear, logic is knowing things that are true and not true. He mentioned that, said Mink, and that's uh, impressionable. It took her a minute to say it. Really a whole minute. Why, it means, her mother looked at the floor, laughing gently. <laughs> it means to be a child, dear. Ah, thanks for lunch, Mink ran out, and then struck her head back in. Oh, Mom, I'll be sure that you won't get hurt uh, much Really? Well, thanks, said Mom. Slam went the door. Oh, that's good writing. At four o'clock, the audio visor buzzed, and Mrs. Morris flipped the tab. Hello, uh, Helen, she said in welcome. Hello, Mary. How are things in New York? Nah, fine. How are things in Scranton? Nah, you look tired. Well, just catty. Catty, horrible people having a conversation. Uh, so do you, uh, the children, underfoot, said Helen. Uh, Mrs. Morris sighed. Ah, my mink, too. The super invasion. Helen laughed. Are your kids playing the game, too? Oh, Lord, yes. Tomorrow, it'll be geometrical jacks and motorized hopscotch. Uh, were we this bad when we were the kids in 48? Worse. Ooh, here we go. Japs and Nazis. Uh, don't know how my parents put up with me. Tomboy. Parents learn to shut their ears. A silence. What's wrong, Mary? asked Helen. Mrs. Morris's eyes were half-closed. Her tongue slid slowly, thoughtfully, over her mm, lower lip. Eh, she jerked. Oh, nothing. Just thought about that. Shutting your ears and such. Never mind. Uh, where were we? My boy Tim's got a crush on some guy named Drill, I think it was. Ah, uh, must be a new uh, password. Mink likes him, too. 
Didn't know it got as far as New York. Word of mouth, I imagine. Looks like a scrap drive. I talked to Josephine, and, and she said her kids, uh, that's in Boston, are wild on this new game. It's sweeping the country. At this moment, Mink trotted into the kitchen to gulp a glass of water. Mrs. Morris turned. How are things going? Nah, almost finished, said Mink. Swell, said Mrs. Morris. Uh, what's that? A yo-yo, said Mink. Watch. She flung the yo-yo down in string, and reaching the end, it, it vanished. See, said Mink. Oop. Oh, wow. That's a Minnesota thing. O-P-E, like oop. Oop, dribbling her fingers, she made the yo-yo reappear and zip up the string. Eh, do that again, said her mother. Can't, zero hours, almost five o'clock. Bye. Mink exited, zipping her yo-yo. On the audio visor, Helen laughed. Tim brought one of those yo-yos in this morning. When I got curious, he said he wouldn't show it to me. And uh, when I tried to work it, finally it wouldn't work. Well, you're not impressionable, said Mrs. Morris. Uh, what? Never mind, something I thought of. Uh, can I help you, Helen? I want to get the black and white cake reps, uh, recipe. The hour drozed by. The day waned. The sun lowered in peaceful blue sky. Shadows lengthened on the green lawns, and the laughter and excitement continued. Uh, uh, one little girl ran away, crying. Mrs. Morris came out the front door. Mink! Uh, was Piggy Ann crying? Uh, Mink bent over the yard near the rose bush. Yeah, she's a, a, a scare baby. Never heard that term before. We won't let her play now. She's getting too old to play. I guess she grew up all of a sudden. Is that uh, why she cried? Nonsense. Give me a civil answer, young lady, or inside you come. Mink whirled in consternation, mixed with irritation. I can't quit now. It's almost time. I'll be good. I'm sorry. Uh, did you hit Peggy Ann? No, honest. You ask her. It was something, well, she's a scaredy pants. The ring of children drew in around Mink, where she scowled at her work with spoons and a kind of square-shaped arrangement of hammers and, uh, and a pipes. Uh, there and there, murmured Mink. What's wrong, said Mrs. Morris. Drill's stuck. Halfway. Uh, if we could only get him all the way through, it'll be easier. Then all the others could come through after him. Uh, can I help? No, um. No, apostrophe M, no um, thanks, I'll fix it. All right, I'll call you for your bath in half an hour. I'm tired of watching you. Well, she went in and sat in the electric relaxing chair. Well, how does that work? Explain that more. Sipping a little beer from a half-empty glass, the chair massaged her back. Children, 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 love and hate side by side. Sometimes, sometimes children loved you and hated you uh, all in half a second. Strangle, oh, well, apparently my my own issues came out right there. Not the word strangle, the word strange, children. <laughs> Did they ever forget or forgive the whippings and the harsh, strict words of command? The uh, She wondered, how can you ever forget or forgive those uh, above you, those tall and silly dictators? Uh, time passed. A curious waiting silence came upon the street, uh, deepening. Five o'clock. A clock sang softly somewhere in the house in a quiet musical voice. Five o'clock. Uh, five o'clock. Time's a-wasting. Five o'clock. And purred away into silence. Zero hour. Mrs. Morris chuckled in her throat. Zero hour. A beetle car hummed in the driveway. Mrs. Morris and Mrs. Morris, uh, Mrs. Morris got out of the beetle, locked it, and called hello to Mink at her work, and Mink ignored him. Oh, he laughed. 
and he stood for a moment watching the children and their business, and then he walked up the front steps. Hello, darling. Hello, Henry. And she strained forward on the edge of the chair, listening. The children were silent, too silent. She emptied the pipe, or he emptied the pipe, refilled it. Swell day makes you glad to be alive. Buzz, what's that? asked Henry. I don't know. She got up suddenly, her eyes widening. She was going to say something. She stopped it. Uh, ridiculous. Her nerves jumped. Those children haven't uh, anything dangerous out there, do they? She said. Well, nothing but pipes and hammers. Why? Uh, well, they have knives, too. They forgot about that. Nothing electrical? Well, there's knives. Heck no, said Henry. I looked. She walked to the kitchen, and the buzzing continued, just the same. You better go and tell them to quit. It's after five. Tell them. Her eyes widened and narrowed. Tell them to put off their invasion until tomorrow. Oh, she laughed nervously. The buzzing grew louder. Yeah, what are they up to? I better go look all right. The explosion. The house shook with a dull sound. There were other explosions in other yards on the streets, and involuntarily Mrs. Morris screamed, Up this way, she cried, senselessly, knowing uh, no sense, no reason. Perhaps she saw something from the corners of her eyes. Perhaps she smelled a new odor or heard a new noise. But there was uh, no time to argue with Henry uh, to convince him. Uh, let him think her insane. Yes, insane, shrieking. She ran up the stairs, and she ran after to see uh, what, uh, what she was up to. Uh, in the attic, she screamed. That's where it is. It was only a poor excuse to get him to the attic in time. Oh, God, in time. Another explosion outside. The children screamed with delight as if a, a great fireworks display. It's not the attic, cried Henry. It's outside. No, no, wheezing, gasping. She fumbled at the attic door. I'll show you. Hurry, I'll show you. And they tumbled into the attic. She slammed the door, locked it, and took the key and threw it into a far cluttered corner. Well, that's dumb. Uh, she was babbling wild stuff now. It came out of her, all the subconscious suspicion and fear that had gathered secretly all afternoon and fermented like wine in her. All the little revelations, the knowledges, the sense that had bothered her all day and which she had logically and carefully and sensibly rejected and censored. Now it exploded in her and shook her to bits. There, there, she said, sobbing against the door. We're safe until tonight. Maybe we can sneak out. Maybe we can escape. Henry blew up, too, but for another reason. Uh, well, are you crazy? Why'd you throw the key away? Damn it, honey. Yes, yes, I'm crazy if it helps, but stay here with me. Well, I don't know how in the hell I can get out. Quiet, they'll hear us. Oh, God, they'll find us soon enough. Below them, Mink's voice, the hustle band stopped. There was a great universal humming and sizzling, a screaming and giggling. Downstairs, the audio televisor buzzed and buzzed incessantly, alarmingly, violently. Uh, is that Helen calling? thought Mrs. Morris, and she is calling about what I think she's calling about. Footsteps came into the house, heavy footsteps. Uh, who's coming in my house? demanded Henry angrily. Who's trampling up and down there? Heavy feet, 20, 30, 40, 50 of them, 50 persons crowding into the house, the humming, the, the giggling of the children. This way, cried Bink below. Uh, uh, who's downstairs? roared Henry. Uh, who's there? Hush! Oh! No, 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 no. And I'm not making that up. That's N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O with an exclamation point. Said his wife, weakly holding him, please be quiet. They might go away. Mom! Yeah, 
cried Mink. Dad? A pause. Where are you? Heavy footsteps, heavy, very heavy. Ooh, that's in all caps. Footsteps came up the stairs. Mink leading them. Uh, 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 Mom! A hesitation. Dad? A waiting silence. Humming. Footsteps toward the attic. Minks first. They trembled together in silence in the attic. Mr. and Mrs. Morris, for some reason, the electric humming, the queer cold light suddenly visible under the door crack, the strange odor, and the alien sounds of eagerness in Mink's voice. Finally got through to Henry and Morris, too. He stood, uh, shivering, in the dark silence, his wife behind him. Mom! Uh, Dad! Footsteps. Little humming sound. And the attic looked... Lock melted. The door opened. Mink peered inside. Tall blue shadows behind her. Peekaboo, said Mink. Oh, good. Uh, You found me down here in the smoking room. I kind of scooched off real fast after finishing that chapter. I didn't think you'd find me, but you did. Uh, what happened in this chapter? Bunch of kids uh, playing a game called Invasion. They they use pots and pans and pipes, which is weird. And also, parents just gave them knives. And that's not questionable. That never came up again in the story as being something you should be concerned about. Uh... The kids are planning an invasion. A man named Drill, which is a weird name. Uh, I would never trust that. I'd say, get back in the house and shut up. Get in your room. Don't talk to this Drill person anymore. But they did. Parents don't care because it's the 1940s or 50s, whenever the hell this was written. Uh, kids are out there working away. Uh, older kids aren't invited for some weird reason because they're too old. Uh, and then... Uh, basically, aliens are invading from another dimension, and they're coming in, and they're using the kids, and they're going to go after the parents. Kill all the parents. The kid even says, uh, yeah, Drill says they're going to take over the world, thanks to the fifth pillar of uh, how you do that, and then uh, we're going to kill all the parents. And the mom goes, nah, delightful, little kids. Uh, Such an imagination. If my kids ever said that to me, I would just stare at them for a long time in silence and be like, go to your room. You're not hanging out with those friends anymore. But anyways, uh, and then in the end, I guess the aliens finally showed up after a lot of uh, loud explosions happening from them coming out of their dimension into our dimension and then just going after parents because that's what the aliens all want. They want to kill parents. And so, uh, and that's kind of it. The family is, or the mom and dad are up in the attic The mom takes the key and just throws it in a random corner of the room, which seems weird, but uh, whatever. Uh, You want to make sure you can escape when you want to at any point. I'm thinking like a survivalist, but that's the life I lead when my oldest kid has my car. And I had to go grocery shopping to make sure I have enough groceries to survive in my own home while I don't have a car. Because I haven't bought a new car yet. I don't want to talk about this. What's good about this, uh, this story? Nah, it's a good story. It's a uh, you know kind of creepy-ish about aliens invading the world. Uh, what sucks that the parents don't get concerned when the kids literally talk about people dying. That should be something where you say, mm, "You're not hanging with those friends." Uh, I want to talk to their parents. Uh, what do we learn? Never trust kids at any point in your entire life. When you're sleeping at night, there's a small version of a man or a woman laying in a different room 
and they know how to get access to knives. They know where they are. They know how dangerous they are. And while you're sleeping, they will attack you. I thought about that every night with my two children. I laid there in bed thinking they could just get up with their tiny little bodies, their tiny little, their little round tummies, and their tiny little legs, and their giant heads, and their little tiny hands. They can still grip a knife. They can put that in, like, in both their hands. They can hold it solidly and just dig it deep into your chest. Uh, I think about it constantly. To this day, I don't trust my nearly adult children. Screw them. They could kill me at any moment. And I think about it constantly. So, I learned that from this story. Never trust kids, because aliens use children all the time. Well, with that, I hope you enjoyed this Halloween episode. It's the last one of the month uh, and that uh, you uh, trick-or-treat. Or if you're like me, you just sit around the house drinking seltzers and uh, wait for kids to come to your door, and then you you try to be charming, like, oh, what's, the, what's that little suit? And then they, they say, shut up. Just shut the hell up and give me the candy. And I'm like, all right, fine, here's the candy. And I go back to watching TV. Uh, so I hope you're also enjoying your holiday as well, and uh, and I will see you next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left.